Thanks for tuning in to JR's Hunt for Life Suicide Prevention Podcast, Safe Talk, with Jenny Hunter and Billy Floyd, where there are no judgments and talk saves lives. Welcome, welcome, welcome to all. We are back, baby. We are so freaking back. It is Billy Floyd. It is Jenny Hunter. It is the Safe Talk Podcast. Wait, did I mention we are back? We are back. How does it feel, Jenny? Come on. How does it feel? It feels awesome, and we are back. (laughs) We are back, baby. The summer was definitely one to remember. It was in upstate New York. It was very hot. It was rainy. It was smoky from the Canadian wildfires. So we experienced a lot of different weathers, which I'm all about because obviously – Heat, rain, smoke, it throws us some adversity, and we can't control it, so we just have to maneuver our way past it and still get the job done. So I always like a little added adversity on the journey because it makes everything around you that much easier. When you learn how to deal with the hard, then everything else, you know, isn't that bad after all. So I'm grateful (laughs) for the crazy weather we had here. I'm grateful for the connections I made, the personal development, all of the growth, and now I'm just grateful to be back here with you, Jenny. How was your summer? You know, it sounds a lot like your summer. (laughs) We had smoke from wildfires. We had coldish weather. We had lots of rain. Um, We did not have any really hot weather, per se. We had a couple of days in the 90s, which is very unusual. We usually have, you know, three to four weeks of in the 90s, and we did not have that this year. And it's been coolish and rainy, and it's just, it's been awesome. It's just been awesome. Everything is green and lush, and that's not usually the case here in Wyoming. Well, you know what? We always have to be ready for the unexpected. We never know what's going to hit. We never know when it's going to come. But I do know we are ready, very much so ready, to get into this brand new season. This is season three of Safe Talk. It's hard (laughs) to believe, but here we are. And for anybody who is a big-time listener, we want to say thank you so much We really appreciate you. We love you. We give you all our respect and all our best wishes. And if you have been listening, if you have been tapped in, you might remember, you might, that we finished off season two talking about, you know, the 12 things parents can do to help prevent suicide. So we dug deep into a few of them to kick things off on this topic. And there's plenty more. Jenny, I think that you covered the first maybe four or so, four of them. So I think we're going to start with the fifth one. But before we do any type of recap, before we dive into the rest of this list, 
We also want to remind everybody, and we do this before every show, that we want you to be a part of this conversation if you want to join in. If you have any questions, you want to leave us a comment, you have any concerns, you want to talk to us about anything, please feel free to reach out to either of us at any time. You can hit me up via email. My email is william.floyd214 at gmail.com. You can hit me up on, I guess it's called X now, not Twitter, X, Instagram, TikTok. My handle is at one Billy Floyd. So Facebook works as well, just Billy Floyd on Facebook. Leave me a message, shoot me a direct message, whatever you want to do. I'm here to talk. I want to be your safe person. And Jenny, I know you feel the exact same way. So where can people find you? Absolutely. So you can find me, another safe person, (laughs) at jlh35 at hotmail.com. You can find me as a safe person. I just love that, Billy, that you said that. Um, (laughs) At any of the platforms, look for JR's Haunt for Life. We are all over the place. You can get in touch with us all over the place under JR's Haunt for Life. We have a Facebook support page under that same handle. It is global. We have thousands and thousands of members. It's all about suicide prevention, all about us being a safe place for you. So anywhere, look me up, JR's Haunt for Life. Love it. Love it. Love it. (laughs) Jenny, you are truly one of a kind. With that being said, let's hop right in to season three, how about we do it? So like I said, we wrapped up season two by starting off the discussion about 12 things parents can do to help prevent suicide. So Jenny, before we hop into the fifth thing, because we did do the first four, why don't you do a quick little Let's do a little debrief here. Let's do a little discussion about one through four. Why don't you tell us a little recap here? Okay. I am so ready for this, Uh, and I know everybody else is ready for this. And you know why? Because in the United States, school has started. It started a few weeks ago, and kids are back at it. And that means that they're studying they're um, doing their activities, they're singing, they're dancing, their football, their basketball, all of that kind of stuff. But throw in a little bullying here and there, a little intimidation, a little manipulation by peers. And that is why we're going to start talking about the things that parents can do to help prevent suicide, keep their children safe. So we did start this last, uh, it was our very last episode of season two, I believe. So as kids grow into, um, grow up into preteens and teenagers, it's very challenging for parents uh, because we don't know what they're thinking. We don't know what they're feeling. We don't, we don't know um, 
you know, their ups and downs, and we don't know what's hormones. We don't know if they're um, telling us the truth, if they're what they say they mean. Um, we, there's a lot of things. I might say there's probably more things than not that we don't know that our children are thinking. So we wanted to start this so that parents could learn how to keep their kids safe. So the the first thing, number one, if you see signs that your child's mental health is under threat, tune in. So that means if you see that your child is changing, are they becoming a little more sullen? Are they not talking and smiling and having fun like they used to? Are they or are they just having a bad day, just one day, maybe just two days? But is this lasting? Is it lasting for a week or more? Um, is their moodiness holding on to them and you're becoming concerned? So number one says, you know, just you, you need to watch for those things. Um, and when you do see those things, it's time to um, <clears throat> jump into action. Uh, you're going to remain calm and you're going to be ready to let your team know that, hey, I'm here. Uh, I'm not going to be judgmental. Would you please tell me what's going on? You know, and maybe it's as simple as to us it would be simple. Oh, I didn't make the football team or whatever the case. To them, that may be earth-shattering. So number one, pay attention to your child's mental health. Is it um, under threat, as this says? So tune in to your child's mental health. Watch for those changes. Um, number two was listen. Even when your child is not talking, what's going on? Are they behaving differently? What is out of the ordinary? Um, you know, they're going to change. They're growing. Their hormones are starting to kick in. They're around other kids their age. There's a lot of of um, pressure going on, and there's a lot of, you know, bullying and different things. Plus, there's a lot of good times going on. So keep in mind that um, your child may be silent. Um, they, they're trying to process all of this newness that's going on with them. And they they may not be speaking about it. So sometimes actions speak louder than words, which we know. So watch their actions. Watch what they're doing. Are they isolating? Are they um, playing sports? Are they uh, far more serious than they should be as a child their age? Um, are they alert? Are they finishing their schoolwork? Are they doing chores? Are they not doing these things? So watch your child. Watch your child and listen to what they're saying in their behavior. Number three, realize that your child might be facing suicide risks that you have not considered yet. So some of those risks now they're coming to light are technology. They're happening happening over their um, phones, over their computers. 
Um, you know, you don't have to be in person to bully someone. You don't have to be in person to threaten someone or to gossip about them or to intimidate them. You don't have to do that in person. It's all being done online now and on phones. And I I just haven't seen any kids without a phone. Have you, Billy? Every kid has a phone. Every kid has a phone. I mean, it's tough because we live in a different generation now. We live in a different time, and the iPhone is just a part of everyone's life. And usually it starts now. Oh, my God. I know I know second graders with phones. I know first graders with phones. Obviously, once you're in Oh, by the time you're in fifth grade, I mean, you've had a phone for a couple of years now. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's it's difficult because people get consumed in them. People are so used to communicating on them that that becomes the norm. And face-to-face personal communication, that becomes like the second form of communication, which is mm-hmm. like the scariest thing ever. I'm grateful that I grew up in a time where the iPhone really didn't become the top tier tool and everybody had. That was like, I don't know, probably 10th grade for me, junior year of high school. So I learned about being around people, talking to people, looking at people, communicating with people. But man, nowadays it's tough for these youngsters because this is what they're brought up in. So yes, every kid Every kid has a phone. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. And it's kind of a dichotomy because these devices that they're carrying around are have become devices that are um, harassing them and bullying them. And they've been a means by which um, the, their friends and their other, their other anyone uh, can hurt them through this device that they're carrying with them 24-7. So parents really need to be watching these devices and iPads and computers and paying attention to what is going on with their child and that device, whatever it may be. And parents should always, always, always be sure that they have uh, locks on certain things, Um, not locks, but on programs, you know, and so that so that kids can't get into certain programs and and then the parents should be able to always look at any text any kind of communication that happens on whatever device or computer they're using so that the parent can um be that safe person for their own child um so that that is very 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 important very important and i'm sure each home has several or more than one phone, uh, more than one computer, more than one iPad. I mean, that's the way of the world right now. Uh, I know there's only my husband and I in our house, and we have um, all kinds of different ways to communicate with the outside world and even each other. Um, This is funny. Um, I'm usually upstairs in the sunroom, and that's up on a deck, and he is usually down in the man cave, so we call each other <laughs> on our phones. Um, so that 
that I'm sure other um, homes do that too. So yes, keep track of your child's device. Um, number four, try not to dismiss what you are seeing as teenage drama. Never assume that your child is exaggerating um, or playing games. If they uh, say or if they write in a journal or a diary or anything, things like, I want to die. I don't care anymore. Nothing matters. Um, I wonder how many people would come to my funeral. Sometimes I just want to sleep forever. Um, everyone could be better off without me. You don't have to worry about me much longer. All those things, those are not things that only children say. Adults say these things too. But in children, there's a lot in children. In teens, there's a lot of teenage drama, and it's hormonal, and it's just um, the way of the jungle when you're a teenager and you're trying to sort through these things and your emotions are all over the place and you say things and you may mean them. And if you're a parent and you hear your child or your teen say, well, you'd just be better off without me. You, you need to pay attention. You need to sit down and say, I, can you talk to me more about that? Why would you say that? Um, I'm I'm interested to know why you would feel that way because that is not the truth. And remain calm, uh, empathetic, and that is when we're going to get into number five. And that is new for our third season beginner. Here, so number five, respond with empathy and understanding. And, uh, you know, it, it, that's hard to do when you're an adult. And so I kind of looked at this in this fashion. Empathy means that you've been there and you understand, right? It's different from sympathy. It's different from apathy. It's different from all those things. Empathy means I understand because I've been there. It's happened to me. I've seen it, whatever. So think about this when you're responding to your children and your teens. You were a teenager once, too. You were a child once, too. You were not born an adult. You you have been through this. You have survived it. You know what it's like for those hormones to be raging. You know what it's like to feel hopeless and, and not in with the popular crowd and wanting to be included and all this. And you know what that feels like. So you, of all people, can relate to your child in that fashion with empathy. So when your child talks or writes about suicide or any of those things that I just read to you, um, it could be shocking. Uh, some people get very angry. Some people are hurt. Uh, but you you don't want to excuse those things. You don't want to be angry. You don't want to argue. You need to, first of all, calm yourself and think about it. Think about and remember those feelings that you had when you were that age. I remember those feelings very well. And I remember wanting to be a part of everyone and wanting to be involved. And or uh, I remember <clears throat> being shunned when I did something I shouldn't have done. 
and it was embarrassing to everyone. I remember all those feelings and feeling hopeless and what am I going to do now? And, and at that young age, it's hard to process. It's hard to understand that, hey, you're, you're going to, this is going to resolve itself. You, you don't need to immediately see a, a result. Just, just calm yourself. And that, as, a, as a kid, you can't do that. You, you can't do that normally. So all those things you're having, all those feelings you're having as, a, as an adult are valid feelings. But this, this number five says it's essential to focus on your child's needs first. It's absolutely imperative that you focus on your child's needs first. Your, your goal is to create a safe space, and we talk about that all the time. Uh, create a safe space, a safe person where your child can trust you and um, express what they need to. And it is another another thing is absolutely, absolutely, you cannot be judgmental. You cannot blame. You cannot say, well, this was your fault. You cannot point the finger and say, well, now look what's happened to you. Now you're never going to get on the team, and you should never have done that. And that was really stupid and dumb. That's just judgmental. That is that is putting fuel on the fire. Don't you think, Billy? A hundred percent. I think you are completely right. And I really resonated with when you talked about having – that understanding and remembering that once upon a time you were young, once upon a time you made those mistakes, once upon a time you felt like you were misguided or you were off track or you were confused, lonely, lost, however you want to splice it. So you have to have that empathy for people and you have to understand that they are struggling and once upon a time, you probably had very similar struggles, struggles of your own, something that threw you for a loop. So if you can have that understanding, then you can really help these youngsters. This is how you can really give back. This is how you can really be that role model and ultimately that safe person. It's very easy to think, oh, my God, how are they making this mistake? How are they failing? How are they feeling like this? But then you have to just like close your eyes, take yourself back, do something to reshape the whole focus and realize, holy cow, like I was young too. And it's like that, that, you know, silly expression, like young and dumb, like obviously no (laughs) one's dumb, but like, you know, it's that, you know, the dumb, young, silly stuff, you know, you don't know what you're doing when you're young. This mm-hmm. is how you figure it out. You fail, you try, and, yeah, you might get pointed out as, oh, I'm stupid or I'm not worth it, I'm not worthy, like I'm a failure, what am I doing? It's like, man, you have to feel that along the way. If you don't feel that along the way, then what are you actually doing? Then you're just coasting, everything's easy, everything's a joke, no pressure, nothing. That is so wrong. That is not the right mentality. That is not the right mindset. So if any kid, youngster is listening right now, tuning in, 
please understand that when you feel a little empty, a little lost, a little confused, or a lot of all those things, a lot of a bunch of different things, negative things, if you feel things are crumbling, you don't have a direction, this is how it's supposed to feel, and it's not supposed to be easy. It's going to be a tough process, but you talk to your safe people, you talk to people that you admire, you talk to people you love, and eventually things get better if you take the right steps. So please never forget that if you are tapped in, if you are listening right now, we are going to take a quick break from you listening right now. We are loving this discussion. Jenny, you are killing it as always. We are going to toss it to our local sponsors for a quick commercial break, and then we will jump right back into the 12 things. We are killing it, Jenny. The 12 things parents can do to help prevent suicide. We are at number five right now. We'll wrap it up when we get back, and then we will see what we can get into next. I think the sixth one is on the menu. So, like I said, tossing it to the sponsors, and then we're coming right back. said it once, said it twice, we are back. But this time we are back from commercial break. So excited to be on the show, Jenny. Thank you so much for having me. And thank you to the listeners for tuning on in. We are rocking and rolling the 12 things parents can do to help prevent suicide. Jenny, thank you for going over all four of them. We talked about that early on in this episode. Then we got right into the fifth thing, which has been a great discussion so far, which was respond with empathy and understanding. So Jenny, I know I had a response to everything you said before we went to the break. Anything you want to add to that and then maybe hop into number six? Sure, Billy, I will do that. So so let me give a few examples of um, being judgmental or shocked or angry when you hear or you find your child talking perhaps about suicide or not wanting to live. So you, people may respond in a fashion like, well, that's a ridiculous thing to say. That's just ridiculous. Well, that's judgmental. And that is not going to cause your child to have a meaningful open conversation with you. Um, another one would be, well, you have a great life. Why, why would you think that way? Um, well, okay, you're, maybe you think they have a great life. But remember what we talked about. It's not, it's not what you think. If you need to put yourself back when you were that age, maybe you didn't think you had a great life either. And so you need to think about these things before you say them. Someone might say, well, you don't mean that. Really, you don't mean that. Well, guess what? They might mean that. And you need to make yourself that safe person so that your child can talk to you. 
Um, and then there's another one. I can't believe I'm hearing that. I just I can't I can't believe I'm hearing that from my own child. Well, that is that that is that that will absolutely cause your child to shut up and not speak because you have already you have just said I can't believe I'm hearing that. You heard your child say that and they said it for a reason and you just shut them down. So all of these things are things that you that they're not good ways to react to a child that is or could be suicidal, depression, anything like that. So maybe maybe you could respond then with that empathy, the things that um, that you remember when you were that age. So you might say something like, and they suggest it sounds like you're in you're you're in a lot of pain, um, and and you can't see a way out. So so let me help you with that. Um, maybe you're wondering how life that's so complicated and it's so hard. Um, right now you're not sure of the answers to the problems you're facing. And who at that age is sure of the answers? I mean, I'm at the age I'm at now and I'm not sure of the answers. So that's some that that's a really good statement to make. Like right now you're not sure of the answers, are you? Well, we all have these problems and I'm here to work through those answers with you. Um, so let's get to number six. Get professional help right away. And that means if your child talks or writes about suicide, it is time to get immediate help. Immediate help. That isn't that isn't like wait until tomorrow unless it's nighttime and you can't find someone. Uh, but you have to get immediate help. Your your child may be self-harming. Your child uh, may be at immediate risk of suicide. So if that's the case, you will take them to the emergency department, emergency room at your hospital. Um, that is when uh, I call it the red line. The red line is hit. Your child is on the red line. It is time, red zone. It is time to get them immediate help because they are self-harming. Um, get that done right away. Do not wait. Please do not wait. That is a crisis point for your child, and that is a huge, huge sign. Um, if you see signs of suicidal thoughts, uh, but you don't think it's immediate, um, You'll, you you still need to take action right away. So you may call your uh, child's doctor, make an appointment, tell them what's going on, tell them I can't, I can't, I really can't wait. We need to get them in now. Uh, you may call a mental health provider to get them in some um, for an evaluation uh, to see what's going on. Of course, that's all self-reporting on your child's part. So um, when your child reaches out, that is the time to take that step. And that means that maybe they're, they're ready to talk, they need help, and if, the sooner you can get them in for an evaluation for a mental health provider, the better that will be because then they'll be speaking the truth on that self-evaluation. Um, when you call their general doctor or practitioner, um, they're usually great 
at working with these kids, perhaps uh, in, right immediately getting them on some maybe anti-anxiety or anti-depression medication. I'm not saying medication is always necessary, but sometimes it is, and a, and a general practitioner can usually get um, the patients in uh, before a mental health person because the mental health people are so overrun right now um, that if the sooner you can get them in anywhere, the better. Um, you can also create a safety plan with your child. You can tell them, okay, if, if you feel like self-harming again, like maybe they're cutting or something, say, tell me. And let's do. We'll we'll figure out a way to keep you safe and keep you from doing this until we can get you in for some help. Um, make a plan. Um, watch for um, warning signs or triggers that um, your child may be uh, putting out there um, that may lead to self harm or suicidal thoughts. Watch for those things. Watch for those signs. We just talked about it earlier to listen, but that means also to watch your child's behavior and see if there's something that you missed, uh, something new, something old isn't happening. Uh, maybe they're normally um, laughing and giggling and talking, and now they're they're not. Well, that's something they normally do, and now they're not. So. So what's up with that? What is going on? It's time for you to find that out. Um, you're going to perhaps talk um, with them about um, things that may help them cope when they're feeling triggered. Um, I, I, you know, there's so many things that uh, you can do to help your child cope when um, they're going through something that, they don't know how to handle. You're an adult, and chances are you may have already had this happen when you were their age. So you are at a point where you can hopefully discuss with them and find out, okay, what what can we do when this is happening? What can we do when you're feeling triggered by something or you're feeling left out, um, you're feeling bullied? What What can we do? Let's have... Let's have a plan here. Let's make a plan. And when when your child knows that you are willing to be there, no judgments, you're willing to help them no matter what, you're willing to take the steps that need to be taken 24-7. You can't, if your child calls you or reaches out to you and you're at work, you seriously cannot say, oh, I'm at work right now. We'll deal with it when I get home. I hear that so much, Billy. No, you have to deal with it now. You're dealing with a human life. And if this child is suicidal, even if they haven't told you they're suicidal, they may be. And it's time that you say, okay, we're going to deal with it right now. You are more important to me than my work at this moment. Uh and and I hope that makes sense. Does that make sense, Billy? It does make sense, Jenny, because we need to make sure we let everybody know that the priorities are 100%. 
on lock. Like you have to have your priorities straight. Nothing is more important than stopping people, right? Wouldn't you agree that out of anything in the entire world, no matter what you're working on, no matter what you're working towards, the top priority is your family, their health, your health, everyone's well-being, the people that you care about most, correct? Correct. Absolutely correct. So I think if we just keep that as our main focus and we do whatever we can to help them, that will always guide us in the right direction. Because at the end of the day, you know, it's about you and living your greatest life and fulfilling your destiny and you got to take care of yourself at the end of the day. But if you want to take care of yourself, if you want to put yourself at the highest level, if you want to live your happiest and healthiest and most fulfilling life, it's your duty to be there for the people that you love and care about the most. Because at the end of the day, without your people, without your family, your kids, your parents, your best friends, your lifelong partner without these people without your connections and people that you do high level business and entertainment with and whatever your people that get you to where you want to be your people that run the game with you their well-being is a huge huge priority so we got to be there for them we have to make sure they're with us we have to make sure they're growing with us they're pushing through the adversity they're pushing through the pain So no matter what, to me, it's always about how can I help, how can I serve, how can I be that person that I would need if I was struggling. You always have to put yourself in the other person's shoes where it's like if you were struggling, if you were going through it, man, don't you wish you had that safe person, that wonderful outlet, that beautiful soul that you could just connect with and talk to and not feel judged by. We all want that. So, you know, why don't we just be that person? Why would we not want to be the person that we want to become? That's how ultimately we become that person. So, again, family, friends, being there for others, having the priority straight, if you have to make more time for helping people you care about, then that means you might have to cut a few things off or step back in a few areas. But no matter what, like when they clearly need help, you have to be there for them. And I know that that's the type of person you are. I can say that about myself as well. And a lot of people I'm connected to, basically anyone that I'm closely connected to, they would say the exact same thing. So I know that we're on the right track. Jenny, I know we're on the same page. Right. You've done a great job detailing everything you've had to talk about in this episode. We have reached the final couple minutes here. We're wrapping up season three, episode one. Jenny, any closing remarks before we pack on up and head on to the rest of our week before we then prepare for episode two? Yes, absolutely. So I want people to understand that suicide is the second leading cause of death among young people 10 to 24 years old in the United States. And suicide is the most preventable form of death there is. 
So any one of us can prevent suicide. Any one of us can save lives. And I would think that to a parent, that would be the maximum goal in life, to keep their child alive, healthy, um, close to them. I mean, I... I I kind of live, well, in a mountainous area. And, you know, I watch the wild animals and things. And these, even they keep their little tiny, like the geese, they just hatched a bunch of little geeselings. I don't know what you call them, but they just hatched a bunch of them. And those mama geese, those babies are so close to them. Those moms never leave those babies. And those babies follow that mom like inches, inches away from them. The baby deer are caught, and the mom and the baby deer are constantly together. They are not separated. They are never, never apart from each other, other than a few feet while they're eating or whatever. But I'm telling you, even wildlife and nature understand the wisdom you just spoke, Billy, about family, family being first, family cares for family, family saves family, and that's that's the end story right there. So I am so glad to be back for our third season. I couldn't wait to talk to you, Billy. I couldn't wait to help people. Um, I have missed it, but yet I had a full summer. And um, thank you so much to you, Billy, and everybody else. Jenny, the pleasure is mine. Thank you so much for letting me be a part of your journey. Thank you for letting me into your family and into your world. And again, thank you to everybody who tunes in and listens. We do everything we can, and we love talking about these topics because we genuinely care about being there for you. And like we said at the beginning of the episode, if you ever want to reach out, if you ever want to connect with us, if you ever want to talk to us about anything in general, literally anything, our DMs, our emails, our phones are always open. So please reach out. Please connect with us. We would be honored to hear from you. So everyone listening, you're the best. We love and appreciate you. Jenny, love and appreciate you as well. I'm so pumped to talk to you on episode two. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's been great, Billy, and I cannot now, I cannot wait for our next talk. Love it. Locked in, baby. I'll talk to you soon. Bye, everybody. Bye, everyone. You've been listening to JR's Hunt for Life Suicide Prevention Podcast Safe Talk with Jenny Hunter and Billy Floyd, where there are no judgments and talk saves lives. Jenny Hunter is the founder of JR's Hunt for Life, a suicide prevention nonprofit movement offering hope and support globally. I'm Billy Floyd. I'm a podcast host, a media broadcaster, and most importantly, a positive influencer. Sounds of Soul Music is courtesy of Fearless Motivation. Find out more about JR's Hunt for Life at jrshuntforlife.org. If someone in your life is feeling suicidal, it's important to take immediate action. Here are some steps you can take to help. Number one, stay calm and listen. 
It's important to approach the situation with a calm demeanor. Listen to their concerns and validate their feelings. No judgments. Let them know you're there to help and support them. Number two, take it seriously. It's crucial to take any suicidal thoughts or feelings seriously. Don't downplay or dismiss their concerns. And don't promise confidentiality if you feel the person is in immediate danger. Number three, seek professional help. Encourage the person to seek help from a mental health professional like a therapist or a counselor. Offer to help them make an appointment and offer to accompany them to their first session. Be sure to follow through. Number four, call emergency services. If the person is in immediate danger, call 911. If it's safe for you, stay with the person until professionals are with them and continue to offer support. Number five, remove potential means. If you know the person has access to firearms, medications, or other potentially lethal objects, Try to remove them from the person's immediate environment as long as it's safe for you to do so. If it is not safe for you to remove potential means, advise emergency services of the situation. Remember, suicidal thoughts and feelings are a sign of intense emotional pain and should be taken very seriously. By offering support and taking appropriate action, you can help someone in crisis get the help they need. Another thing to know is that 988, the National Crisis Line, which used to be 1-800-LIFELINE, cannot track your location unlike 911. Therefore, they cannot directly send an ambulance to you and must make several phone calls to do so. Additionally, when you call 988, they will connect you to a regional crisis center based on the area code from which you were calling. So it's essential to know the appropriate crisis line to call based on your location and the level of crisis. If someone actually did something to try to not be alive, Call 911 or take them to the ER. If they are thinking about doing something, consider calling 988 first. They can help you decide if you need to take additional steps. Action and ideas are two different things. You can learn how to tell them apart and what to do about it, as well as find more information and support around suicide prevention by joining our private Facebook group at JR's Hunt for Life, a confidential safe space where there's no judgment and talk saves lives.